Welcome to Man to Man Podcast. Before we begin our episode, we gotta shout out Anchor for making this podcast even possible. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, easy to use for recording and uploading your episodes, and the best part, they distribute the podcast for you so you can be heard on places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It also allows you to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, 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 what's happening, what's happening, uh, this is the best NBA podcast out right now, welcome back to Man to Man, this is your co-host Andy Elliott, alongside your co-host Liam, the Hoopstar Nash, give me some enthusiasm Hoop, Mr. Hoopstar Nash, baby, we back at it, this is a clutch week in the NBA right now, it's All-Star Weekend, come on boys, come to Chicago, let me get a ticket for $3,872.69, anyways, <laughs> All-Star Weekend, here in Chicago, super dope, ready for it, but before that, we're going to talk about all these trades that happened last week, so without further ado, wait, who? Let's get after it. Alrighty, Mr. Hoopstar, bunch of trades, who we got, what are we looking at? Inform me. Uh, what's going on? We'll start off with the probably biggest trade that happened over uh, the trade deadline with a four-team trade, which sends Clint Capella to the Hawks. Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene. Rockets get Jordan Bell, Robert Covington, and some picks from Atlanta. Denver gets Bates Diop, Gerald Green, Shabazz Napier. Uh, Minnesota, you know, kind of sneaking in there, trying to make the trade work a little bit in their favor. They get Evan Turner, your guy, Malik Beasley, and Juan Herman Gomez. I don't even, I think Sucks. that's how you pronounce it. Right. I know name, but biggest thing here is uh, Clint Capella leaving the Rockets. What does, that, what does that mean there? They didn't like his hairdo. He was doing that Dennis Schroeder thing, you know, highlighting the yellow top. But he is the center. Now PJ's moving over to the center position, right? He's not going to be able to guard AD, coach. D'Antoni, what are you doing? They're playing small ball. He's like 6'6". I guess he's the tallest guy. They did get Rob Cub from the Wolves. Is he, how tall is he? 6'9". He doesn't play the center, though. Like, they're going to move no, PJ no. to the center position. That's insane because PJ only likes shoes. He doesn't like guarding big guys like AD. That's the thing. Like, their center now is 6'6". Six, six. They do have Robert Covington on the wing that's 6'9", but he's not... No, he's not a built guy. And that was what D'Antonio was saying in the interview after this trade went through. He really liked the way the team played without Clint Capella. And moving forward, he says they got, you know, they got players like Harden and PJ Tucker that are kind of built and thicker guys. He says can guard the big guys, but I don't see that happening at all. AD, like you were saying, AD, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee in the West, you can't play basketball like that. Not going to happen, even with the Clippers or even like a Jokic for the Nuggets right. or, you know, Clippers like a Montrez Harrell. Not going to happen. We'll see what happens that. PJ Tucker, keep balling with the shoe game. Let's go on to some more trades, Hoop. We got a ton, so we're going to try to fly through this. Right. Um, so the next big name that we see is Andre Iguodala will get his first basketball games with the Miami Heat. Quick rundown again for the trade. Miami Heat will get Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, 
Memphis will get Justin Winslow, Deion Waiters, and Dang. And then Minnesota, again, opening up their cap space. They get James Johnson. But yeah, this three-team trade, probably my most exciting trade just because we get to see Andre Iguodala back on the basketball floor, you know? For sure. I thought Andre was hurt or something. I guess that wasn't the case. He hasn't suited up for the first three months. Memphis said they were going to trade him ASAP. I guess he just hasn't been on good terms with the younger guys. I know John Moran and Dylan Brooks specifically are guys who have tweeted out publicly saying, hey, we can't wait till we play AI because he doesn't believe in our team. He thinks we're washed up. Steph Curry tweets in, chimes in a little bit saying, hey, here's a picture of Andre holding the finals MVP and then the championship trophy. John Moran says, hey, Curry, you got a guy named Kevin Durant. And he, yeah, that's what I thought. But, you know. You can't really say anything, Ja. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. This was a huge pickup by Miami. Miami is shooting the gun. They're not going to be able to be this good next year just with KD and Kyrie coming back, from what I believe. And AI going to a Miami team, this is perfect for them. Adding a Jay Crowder, another big guy. Memphis receiving Justice Winslow, cool. Like a 23-year-old dude. They're young over there. Good picks for both teams. Minnesota with a James Johnson. I guess that was just a filler team. Right. So my question to you then is, the Miami Heat a favorite now in the East? Are they going to take over the East? I mean, we got Andre Iguodala giving that Miami Heat experience in the playoffs. You know, he's been there. He's won finals MVP. He's got championships. Does that put them at a favorite in the East? I don't think you count them out. And as sad as this is to say, I think they're going to be a lot better than the Pacers going forward in the rest of the season. The Pacers didn't make any moves. They like their, t- we like our team. But then again, Andre's a vet. I don't know how much love he's going to give the team on the court. I don't know if his knees are still locked up from not playing three months or what's going on there. He might need some lotion for the ashy knees, but we'll see what happens. I still got him as a favorite, maybe top two, top three. When I look at this and I think of the East, it's the Bucks. Obviously, they're the best in the whole NBA right now, sitting at a 45 and seven. But then I think of the Raptors on a 13-game winning streak. You still got the Celtics. But Miami, I, I can see Miami being fourth seed right here. And then maybe Sixers and Pacers. But Miami definitely maybe a top four team for sure. Hands down, they got better through this trade. I wouldn't be surprised if they make, you know, a run for that number two spot. I think the Raptors will slow down after the All-Star break. Getting home court advantage for those first two games is going to be absolutely crucial because you know how they turn up in Miami. They got a good chance to go to the second round. On that note, too, I think that home court advantage for the first two rounds, like you said, very crucial for that unexperienced playoff team. With that, we have Minnesota kind of making smaller moves in these two uh, previous trades, just kind of moving some cap space around to get, we see, what are we getting? Hey, come on, bro. Former All-Star, Mr. D'Angelo Russell, what it do? This is the perfect fit for D'Lo. Yeah, he was balling for the Warriors, but even Steve Kerr just came out a second ago uh, after the trade saying, you know what, we weren't really sure if he was going to be a good fit with Curry. They traded D'Lo from the Warriors to the Wolves for Andrew Wiggins. So Andrew Wiggins going to the West, perfect fit. Watch one of his games, his first games for the Warriors, spotting up corner threes, spread the court out. That's what the Warriors do. D'Lo on the other side, coming to the Wolves, they kind of need that Ricky Rubio mentality back out there in Minnesota. So, you know, D'Lo, Cat, super cool to see D'Lo get off the airplane a couple nights ago at the airport. Cat had a T-Wolves jersey with Russell's name already on it. And the team's already there. Fans are there piling in, giving total love. This is going to be a great fit for both teams. 
Right. I think this is hands down for me, the best trade that equals both sides. Like you were saying, Andrew Wiggins with the Golden State Warriors possibly in the next couple of years could fill that void that they missed from Kevin Durant. Um, he really has to get his shit together. Um, being around Steph and Clay, he'll, you know, see what work ethic looks like to become a champion. And I think he could definitely, you know, improve his game enough to be recognized as that missing piece for the Golden State Warriors. And then D'Lo, Cat, watch out because, you know, out of the same draft class, looking to improve that team. Definitely, definitely good there. I can see a Wiggins like a Harrison Barnes. You know, bringing okay. Harrison Barnes back. He's got the length. He's playing three to four. He can guard any position. It's a great fit. Who else we got? Who? Let's keep going. Right. Um, next one, we got the Clippers making a name drop here. Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas in this trade. Only real names that uh, will come to mind if you're not a huge basketball fan. But the Clippers get Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas. The Knicks will get Mo Harkless. And a 20, uh, 20 first round pick from the Clippers. And again, the Wizards just filling that trade bait with uh, getting Jerome Robertson. This is a big trade for the Clippers, you know. Clippers and Lakers were trying to get after Marcus Morris. Clippers pretty much said, we'll take him and we need that bench depth. So how do you uh, see Marcus Morris fitting in, in L.A. with the Clippers? I think Marcus Morris is a really good fit. And I think what you were talking about with the Lakers trying to get him was a Marcus Morris, and they were trying to get a, a, a Danny Green and a Kyle Kuzma for a Marcus. Right, right. Eh, no, 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 no. But for the Clippers, you look at their teams. There's some dogs, man. You got PG, you got Kawhi, you got a uh, scrappy Pat Bev, a stud in Lou Will, and a Marcus Morris. He's just going to bring more of that mentality. We we talked about him in our last episode. How he was just calling people out and that's what he does and like honestly that's what you're going to need in the postseason guys who are experienced who are going to step up and kind of put that grill in you on the other hand for Isaiah Thomas I know the Clippers actually waived IT you see a guy coming out of the last pick in the draft and becoming an all-star then getting bounced to teams couldn't mesh up with LeBron couldn't work out in Washington that gets waived now unfortunately as a free agent IT it's unfortunate, man, but it is what it is. I get. It. I bet he gets picked up by a good team here in the next couple of years, if not this next year. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas's career has just kind of been on the downslope um, ever since he was an all-star in Boston. But with this trade right here, I think is a very good fit in terms of picking up the minutes and the rotation in which Kawhi Leonard will take off games. We all know that he takes off games for yeah. load management. And plugging in somebody like Marcus Morris that can very well score the ball coming off the bench, creating his own shot, just gives him another option. And then, you know, Lou Will and Pat Bev, you know, in that backcourt and having somebody like Marcus Morris, another tough guy, gritty guy, that's just their brand of basketball in that second group. And that's just like a perfect match, I think, for them. When I look at the Clippers and the Lakers, I almost think that like the Clippers are like, the bullies compared to the Lakers. Like the Lakers are like Showtime, Pretty Boy. But the Clippers, they're adding these pieces on the low that are like, hey, if we get a group of guys that believe in each other, that will grind it out through the year and know that we have the potential to beat the Lakers. They got gritty guys, man. That's what they've been known to be right now. Pat Bev is like one of those guys. He's like yeah. not going to put up with any type of shit. And right. add in a Marcus Morris along with that, another gritty guy. It's just contagious too. Like when you see LeBron, LeBron doesn't really have that mentality. LeBron, when he gets frustrated, it almost seems like the team doesn't produce as well as they should. And they don't have 
that guy. It's like, yo, come on, man. Or like just does something like a Pat Bev on defense. You do something on defense, you get your guys hype. That gets contagious. So we'll see what happens with that. Let's go into another big trade. Cleveland Cavaliers makes a trade with Detroit Pistons center Andre Drummond for two no-names, John Henson, Brandon Knight. Never heard of these guys before. Maybe it's just because they're on the Cavs or maybe, what well, I don't know, the rookies, what, first-year guys. But Andre Drummond gets woken up with a text from the organization, thinks it's a joke, trending all over Twitter, and he's like, you know what, damn. This is insane. I don't want to play in Cleveland. I think he is salty, man. I think it's very salty about this trade. This is my like, what the fuck pick for the trades that's happened. Like, what the actual fuck are the Cavaliers doing? It doesn't make any sense to go after a guy that's on an expiring contract. He does have that player option for next year. Just from the reactions of the trade in the first place is like, I didn't even know this was real. And so he's definitely not going to re-sign with the Cavaliers and then it just asks more questions about the future of where the Cavaliers are headed towards because they have Kevin Love. Does that mean they're going to move on from Kevin Love, maybe try to trade him in the offseason? Or are they just going to start over new? Like Drummond's not going to resign. Kevin Love has already you know, mentioned that he doesn't like the direction of these young Cavalier rosters. And then another question on the flip side is, what is the future for the Pistons now? Are they going to just rebuild around Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin? Are they going to try to move Blake Griffin as well? It just raises questions. I mean, I definitely thought that Drummond was on the move, but are we going to see a new look Pistons team as well? Yeah, I think we're going to see a new point guard here this next year after D. Rose. Uh, He's got a number zero. Last name starts with a B, ends with own. (laughs) Mr. Jordan (laughs) Bowe, Mr. Jordan Bone. Mr. Jordan Bone, bro. Bring him on the roster. And guess what, bro? They still have Luke Kennard. Can't forget about yeah. my white boy from Duke. Luke Kennard. They got D. Rose. Blake Griffin. I don't know if Blake's knees even work anymore, but we'll see. And they still have Dwayne Casey as their coach. So I'm sure Mr. Dwayne Casey, former coach of the year, will figure something out. But hey, hey don't sleep on my guy Bone, man. Bone will be up there in Detroit in a few years, all right? I don't know, though. Right. We'll see. They're not going to be contenders in the East next year, I don't believe. Um, losing Drummond like that, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it helps or if it hurts. Like I said, they got two other guys that are kind of younger, so I bet the, the Pistons are more of in a rebuilding stage as well. Let's move on to some uh, other notable trades, Hoop. We got the Rockets and Grizzlies make a kind of under-the-radar the trade with Jordan Bell. Um, he's headed to Memphis to play along with John Morant and those young guys there. Okay. And... For me, this is a perfect fit. We see him, you know, in the playoffs last year, making a name for himself. And he gets to play wrong with like some other young guys that are scrappy just like him. I think this is an underrated trait, just in the sense that this is like a perfect fit for Jordan Bell to play alongside, you know, other young guys that are just looking to play basketball. I mean, he's got experience as a young guy too, playing in the finals, like you said. The Grizzlies are gonna be good. You know, we're both from Tennessee. We're Somewhat of Grizzlies fans, besides Pacers. And they're going to be a, a solid squad to watch here in the next couple of years. So, total respect to Jordan Bell going to the Grizz. will help him out. And then, that you know, that'll increase their fan base, too. And they always struggle with that a little bit. So, I'm excited to see another guy like that coming from the Warriors and having finals experience. So, good trade there. Uh, and then, last but not least, man, we got the Lakers. Who We got the Lakers. And for me, personally, I love it because they didn't make a trade. They tried... You know, having all this trade talk last year, trading Lonzo, Ingram, Hart in the middle of the season, never ended up doing anything until the offseason. 
there was a little bit of talk around Kuzma, but they couldn't find a good trade for him. I'm content with the Lakers being content as a team right now. But we have heard of JR, Mr. Hennessy Smith, coming for a, uh, a workout here as soon as next week. I guess they think that they have all the pieces right now. They don't need to add anybody. We hear LeBron saying, you know, we're going to stick with these guys. I believe in these guys. I don't know. I think they could have possibly traded for another player and getting something in return for Kuzma. I guess they're, like you said, are content with the roster that they have. But yeah, adding another player without making a trade like a a veteran. I don't see JR fitting in because, you know, LeBron and and him kind of had a rocky ending to their, their relationship playing basketball together. So I don't know about that one. I think they'll definitely uh, take him and work him out just to see if anything's changed or if they could use him in any way. But LeBron has a final say, doesn't he? Like, nothing's going to happen without LeBron's say, so. A couple other side notes while we are talking about the Lakers. We still want to remember Kobe Bryant a little bit here in our episode. Uh, LeBron James was named Western Conference Player of the Month in January, and the last Laker to do that was Kobe. And also, Kobe's wife, Vanessa Bryant, has reached out to the Laker organization, asking for the family to receive every single item that was placed outside of Staples Center, whether that's being every letter, T-shirt, piece of art, basketball, jersey, etc. Super cool to see. I don't know if she realizes how much stuff that actually is, but I do think it is respectable and she needs to be able to see it. Maybe she'll find some stuff in there that are really like touching to her and heartfelt to her. But yeah, I think she definitely deserves to to be the one that has all this stuff, you know. Totally. So that being said, we're going to move on to our game of the week. Liam, if you want to go into this, Trailblazers, Utah Jazz. So we have uh, the Hot Blazers, right? Damian Lillard's out here going crazy every night for the last, you know, week and a half now. And they are really making a playoff push here before the All-Star break. So we see them go down to Utah and really need this win. And the refs are basically like, uh, fuck you, you guys aren't winning this one. So we see Damian Lillard go up for a driving layup late in the game. I think it was like 30 seconds left. And Rudy Gobert just comes out of nowhere basically and just blocks the total shit out of the ball. It was a clear goaltending the ball was on the backboard, and there was no call. And obviously, you know, gave the the Utah Jazz the, the victory. But most of this stuff that happened was after the game. Take us through what actually happened afterwards. Yeah, right after the game, Lillard is being held back by coaches and players from both teams. It's curse out the refs. You guys need to do a better job. And then after that, post-game, the NBA Officials Association or whatever it is um, gets interviewed. And... Crew Chief Josh Tiven, one of the guys for the NBA, says, no, it was not a reviewable play since goaltending was not called on the floor. Goaltending is only reviewable if we actually call it. The call needs to be made for goaltending to be reviewable. We've since looked at it via post-game video review and unfortunately saw that we missed a play and a goaltending violation should have been called. Damian Lillard subtweets this and says, we don't want to hear that punk-ass shit. And then another fan tweets at Damien. I don't know. I guess this is what happened. He said, yo, Damien, you're going to get to find a, you know, a bunch of money. He said, I got plenty of money. Don't worry about me. And actually, Adam Silver ended up coming out and saying, we're not going to find Damien for his comments on Twitter or whatnot. But Liam, going to CJ, just kind of talk about you know what CJ was saying about the, the sports betting world and, and what the ref's consequences should be. Right. So obviously, CJ McCollum gets interviewed after the game. 
and gets a question asked about how do you see Damian Lillard's um, reactions and is this okay? And he comes back and says, basically, yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll get fined for this um, because it was, you know, pretty outlandish. He was making his statement clear to the refs after the game. But in that same interview, pretty late in the interview, he's like, comes to a realization of, you know, players get fined for doing stuff all the time, right? And when referees fuck up like players do, there's no consequences for them. There's no, you know, media coverage of, oh, this ref is going to be suspended because he did. No, there's nothing. And CJ McCollum continues his answer and saying, there's a lot of people that place bets on the Blazers to win this game. And they lost a lot of money solely due to the fact that the refs missed a call. And he continues to say, bottom line, players get fined when they fuck up referees should get fined when they fuck up too you know i I don't know if this was if that's going to be the case but it's definitely a good case to be made for refs missing a call especially when the games that the blazers are playing right now they're fighting for every win that they get and it's either they get fined or there needs to be another rule change in the offseason which i'm actually sure there will be after this Player of the Week. We do Game of the Week, Player of the Week every episode now. So the Player of the Week is none other than the... The referees, man. They get Player of the Week, man. The referees. <laughs> referees get Player of the Week. Liam, hop into our Pacer segment. Tell us what's good. First of all, let's start by uh, congratulating Sabonis. Yes, sir. He gets uh, picked up by Team LeBron. Pretty stacked team, as as we were talking about a little bit. He is, unfortunately, the last pick in the draft. Doesn't matter, I guess. I mean, he made the team. so what? More motivation <laughs> for Sabonis to get MVP in the All-Star game. <laughs> right. Um, but that is kind of the all the good news we have this week. We uh, had some tough losses. Yep. Um, we went one and four and getting Vic back, you know, it's, it happens. I mean, losing chemistry, adding another guy. Um, we play the Mavericks first this week. No Luca, So I thought we could, you know, potentially come away and steal one. And that just didn't happen. Porzingis just poured it on us, scoring 38 points and 12 rebounds. Another guy, Hardaway Jr., comes out and splashes on us as well with 25 points. It just seems like sometimes the Pacer players don't come to play every night. And it's just, what are you guys thinking? I think it's honestly just them being close to the All-Star break. You know, Sabonis made All-Star. Maybe he might be chilling. I know we see his numbers every single night. We literally don't even have to talk about it. This guy records a double-double every single game, guys. So it's almost like, hey, we got Vic back. Maybe we can chill a little bit. Vic's not going back-to-back games. I don't know. I think a lot of teams are really just tired before All-Star break. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt as we do go 1-4 and four this week and talk about it. But after the All-Star break, man, ain't no excuses going forward. Right. Just to piggyback off that, Sabonis, really the only player to contribute this game. One shy assist away from a triple-double, finishes with 26-12-9. and nine. And kind of the theme out this week is we can't get the game close enough down the stretch to push it and try to make a, a comeback to win the or game. Or we just can't close them. Yeah. And we end up losing that one 103 to 122. Probably the most heartbreaking game so far this year. Andy, I know you, you were feeling it on this one after the game. But we go into Toronto. We're down 12 after one. We come back at halftime up 15. I'm feeling good. I'm like, all right, we just almost made a 30-point uh, swing. You know, we can do this. We can beat a hot team like Toronto. And then 
events unfold at the end of the game, Toronto goes on 11-0 run. What's going on, man? 11-0 run the past two minutes. We don't know how to inbound the ball or catch the ball. These guys are professional basketball players. I think the thing that I was most upset about was the very last play. First of all, how the fuck does Ibaka hit like a 40-foot three? out of nowhere when Sabonis is hand up on him. And then the last play, we get it. Victor gets a wide open three. Hit a shot, dude. He just can't get his legs on him yet. Ricochet's way short. I'm pissed because Justin Holiday gets pushed out of bounds. Somehow gets the ball, though, on the rebound. Throws it back to Vic. Vic gets pushed out of bounds. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? There's two clear fouls right there. Vic ends up throwing the ball away. So that was the thing that I was most frustrated about is just the refs bullshitting pretty much this whole week in the NBA and not calling plays. Like, I understand that refs swallow their whistle at the end of the games, but dude, that's a make or break situation at the same time too. Right. Yes, there was probably missed calls down the stretch, but looking at it as a Pacer, you know, fanatic, we got to score two points at least down the stretch. Yeah. You know, you can't let a team go 11-0 in the last two minutes. Who's scoring the ball for us? I don't know down the stretch. That's it just is unacceptable. Basically just a tough loss and it's cool. We got players there. We just got to learn how to finish games. Remember that game where I bet on the Hawks at Raptors and the Hawks were up like 30 points? Yeah, And then the Raptors pressed D the whole fourth quarter and came back and had that like franchise record, like coming back 45 points in the quarter to win the game. That's what we saw there. Like those dudes went to college in high school and played press defense. Like they're the best press defense that I've seen and they rocked us with it. So playing the Raptors, even without Kawhi in the postseason is going to be pretty freaking scary. Their defense is incredible. And like you said, we can't find someone that can just score for us. And Vic's knees just aren't there yet. So we just it's just tough. But we haven't had a full healthy team yet with Vic, I will say. Right, right. No, that's totally fair. It'll just take some time with Vic. He's getting his legs back. He did get a year off. We also uh, played the Raptors again. Finally got televised. I was happy about that. Right? <laughs> I was going to say. We're on ESPN. Cool. <laughs> on a Friday night. I'll take that all day. But these are the games that we kind of have to win. Yeah. To, to be, get, to to get, get more, more televised. Yeah. To get more exposure, you got to win these games. Yeah, dude. And it wasn't even like that close of a game. I mean, it was close all the way till the fourth quarter. And then we're trailing by like eight, ten points. We don't make that sparking push to, you know, make it a four-point game. We just keep trading baskets. Not- Sway Lee's at the game sitting courtside. <laughs> like, we can't do anything to impress anybody on a national televised program. Right. The Raptors starters actually combined for 90 of their 115 points. So nobody really off the bench is, like, doing it. It's all their starters. Serge Ibaka, you mentioned it earlier. When did he become a fucking three-point <laughs> god? Guru out here. <laughs> he had four three-pointers in the game before. He gets another four this game. Like, who in the hell is... When did he become a knockdown shooter, I don't bro? know, dude. Serge has got, like, that, like, food cooking show, you know? And I only watched one where, like, KD came on, and he's like, you have to eat snake penis or something. Like, dude's been eating the most erotic shit ever. And, like, don't bring that near me. I don't know, dude. It's just, like, he's just insane. Like, did you see what he walked in with? Uh-uh. Uh, he was wearing that big ass scarf. Like this thing was in like probably like a, honestly, probably like a 15 foot scarf. Like it was draping over his neck and then all the way down on the floor when he was walking in pregame. They asked him, you trying to show the fashion world? Like what's good? And he's like, no, no, I eat snake penis. It's just art. And I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
So yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe we should try to get more fresh, man. I don't know what's going on, but there is something that we need that Ibaka has that we need. All right. So we uh we end up losing that one too, one oh six to one fifteen. And then our last game of this week is against the Pelicans. We don't have Vic because it's a back-to-back. Although they don't have Zion or Ingram in this game. So this is definitely one of those games that we uh, we got to win. But turns out we didn't. <laughs> That's Indiana basketball for you. They came into Banker's Life and they pretty much took care of business. Um, it was a family reunion for the Holiday Brothers again. And Drew Holiday kind of led that, you know, that family reunion, scoring 31 points and 10 assists. And then our benches are a key factor in winning games. If our bench doesn't produce, you know, we have good depth and they we got good scores. And when they don't produce, I don't think we're very good. And in this game, our bench only scored 26 points. Definitely got to produce. TJ coming off. Goga is our first round pick. We talked about this. I think Goga is going to be pretty good. He just got to continue to get his, his footing underneath him. And we'll be all right. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt this week, like I said. But after All-Star break, it's it's go time. Right. So our theme this week for the Pacers is uh, finish games, right? Got to finish games. But uh, with that, this week's episode is a wrap. Make sure to tune in to watch our guy DeMontis Sabonis playing the All-Star game this Sunday, February 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. It's going to be a good one, so don't miss it. Be sure to follow our social on Instagram at Man to Man Podcast and our Twitter page at Man to Man Pod. And don't forget to rate us five stars and write some good reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And with that, we'll catch you next week. Pacer Nation, baby. <laughs>